quite radical, quite powerful that I just didn't see before, but I want you to see it. it's appropriate for today. And um, I, want, I want to talk to you about a subject that you might misunderstand when I tell you the word itself. I've used it before recently, but I want to talk about generosity. And mostly when you talk about generosity, the first thing you think about is money. But I want to assure you today that I am talking about a whole lot more than money. You can't exclude money from generosity, but too often we don't include all of the things that generosity encompasses. In fact, I'm, I'm convinced that we may not have understood fully enough what this word really means when we talk about generous or generosity. So I want to look at that for a moment. I want to look in the Bible at the verse that she wrote, the passage she, she read, rather, um, is really quite powerful. I had her read it to you out of the NIV because there's some language there that can help us understand and see something we've not seen in the scripture. You know, you, God blesses you to open your eyes to see what you haven't seen. And when you see what you've not seen, it has the power to change you. And, and, and so Jesus would often to tell a truth, to, to convey a truth in a manner that people could understand deeply. He would, Jesus would actually make up a story and we call that a parable. And he would put characters, he, he was so colorful, he'd put characters in the story, and he would, he would use characters that everybody who heard the story immediately understood the nature of what he was saying, in, immediately. And here we see the Lord giving a comparison between two persons. I've never seen this before, but it so impacted me, I hope, I believe it'll impact you. He talks about the Pharisee and the tax collector. So this morning as we talk about generosity, um, it, it expands itself way beyond money. Isaiah 32 and 8 says this, Isaiah 32 and 8. This is what it says about generosity. The generous make generous plans, and by generous deeds they stand. So there's no talk here about money. Um, generosity is something radically different and beyond what we normally think. Though there's no talk here about money, there's something deeply rooted in this word generous. It's possible to be financially generous hmm, and not be radically generous at all. Now, I'll show you this in a moment. By radical, I mean I'm talking about generosity at the root of your life, at the center of your heart, at the depth of your being. That's something very, very different. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help you and I to see it and embrace it. God will change us. Generosity should be something so deep in us that it completely pervades all of our lives, or every part of our lives. Money is just a very small part of it. When I talk about generosity here, I'm, I'm using it in the sense of radical generosity. And there are three things I want to answer this morning very quickly for you 
The first thing is, what is the source? You might want to write these three questions down. See how you do at the end of the message. See if I convey them well enough. See if you got them. What is the source of radical generosity? Secondly, what is the sign or the mark of radical generosity? And third, what is the key to becoming radically generous? First, let's, let's, let's observe the source of generosity. Now, Jesus tells us to, this, fair, this, um, this parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector. But I got to tell you, um, <laughs> in Jesus' day, a tax collector, to be called that, was a terrible thing. It was a horrendous thing. Because Israel was occupied by a foreign power who had taken away much of their freedoms and controlled their money. Mm. And um, so what Rome would do, instead of just crushing and destroying the cities, instead of coming and wiping the whole nation out, they would destroy the armies and they would capture the political and the religious leaders. And they wouldn't come into a deal with them and say, well, now you're a conquered people, but if you will just obey our culture and our norms, we'll let you coexist. And what they did was, was, was horrible. <laughs> Rome would, in this case, exact uh, their wealth by turning it into a tax. And so they would tax enormous amounts and percentages on the people. And then they would hire Jewish men to collect the taxes. And, those, and they, would, they would say something like this. I tell you what, we're going to give you a job. I want you to collect it. Here's how much we want. But you can ask for how much more you want. You just don't tell them. And not only that, we will give you an army with swords and spears to back you up to make sure you get that money. Are y'all hearing me? Now you talk about calling somebody a traitor. When you, your own people would join with the conquering forces and then come into every home, every home, and exact a tax. And if you didn't want to pay it, there was a sword or a spear to convince you, oh yeah, you're gonna pay it. And then you would take that money and you give Rome their part and you keep your part. Tax collectors were enormously hated because they were, were enormously greedy. Those guys uh, would be like the shakedown artists. They would be no different in Chicago when they send a little representative to your shop and tell you if you want to keep operating, you're going twenty percent of the top belongs. Y'all look like you don't know nothing about this. Twenty percent of this belongs to me. Oh yeah. So, so, so this tax collector was despised. Mm. The wealth of the conquered nations were transferred back to the conquerors, and they called it a tax but it really was extortion. Are you still breathing, saints? Rome said, okay, you just make sure we get our part and however much more you can get, that's up to you. Are you there, saints? So 
the tax collectors were willing to put up with the hatred of their own people because they were so greedy. Their greed was greater than their fear of the despise of the people. That's, that's, this, that's this tax collector. But there was another man Jesus talked about, a Pharisee. Now, a Pharisee, to, in this story, to the people he's talking to, would not be like us because we've examined the heart of the Pharisees in the scripture. We have a different attitude. We don't, we know, we're not that happy about the Pharisees. But the truth is, the Jewish people looked up to the Pharisees because they were a fresh movement, a fresh fundamental movement in the nation. The Sadducees were the religious people who stopped believing the scriptures. They didn't even believe, they didn't even believe in the resurrection. So everybody hated with the hatred the Sadducees. And that's why they didn't believe in nothing. That's why they were sad, you see. You know. but, the, but, 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 but the Pharisees were considered reformists. They were considered the guys who went back to the Bible. They followed the scriptures note by note. Oh yeah, even legalistically. They followed it. And listen, listen, about the, listen, to, listen to the story about this cat. He comes and he, he comes into the temple to this this uh, this Pharisee, right? And uh, the Pharisees, uh, listen to what he said. He said in his prayer, he said, "Lord, I give you a tenth of all that I get." By the way, the Pharisees were philanthropic. They gave. They were generous because they gave to the poor. And this guy's bragging over the fact. I'm to the letter, I give my 10%. And, and so he's generous, but there's something missing. Are you there, saints? So listen to his prayer. Listen to his prayer. But he, this guy is technically generous, but he's not radically generous. So listen to his prayer. So he prays, and when he prays, check him out. Go back to the scripture. Look at, listening to him pray about himself. Now you think if you said to God, oh God, are you there, saints? Oh, God, I thank you. Can you imagine your grandma talking about, thank you, Jesus. But look at the next words he says. He starts bragging on himself. Are you all there? What does he say about himself? What does he say about himself? He says, I thank you that I'm not like, other, like these other peoples. I'm not a robber. I'm not an evildoer. I'm not an adulterer. Or, or I'm not like, I'm definitely like, I'm not like this tax collector. He's bragging on himself and he thinks God should appreciate him because of who he is. Are you all there? He even said, I fast twice a week and uh, twice a week and I give a tenth of all. See, in his heart, the real deal is he's tight, he's selfish, he's proud, he's grasping. He's generous with his money because he gives 10%, and that's quite a bit when you compare that to what was going on in that day. Like today, 10% is a, you know, if you're, if you're a 10% giver, you are on the top 3% in this nation. Do you know that most of the church or most people who make over $60,000 don't give but 3% maybe of their money? So, so when he said, I give 10%, I mean, that's pretty good. In his heart, though, he's got problems. He's generous, he's generous with his money, but uh, he needs a lot of praise. He needs a lot of thanks. 
He needs people to adore him. He, he, he needs to be in control. He probably holds grudges. And he holds things over people. When he does stuff for people, he expects something back. He never admits when he's wrong. He's not generous in his character. Are you all breathing saints? Luke 19 says, if, if, and by the way, there's something special about Luke. Man, I'm amazed how many times Luke gives us characters that are, that are, that are infused in this whole subject of generosity. It's amazing. It's amazing. In Luke 19, the Bible text t tells us about Zach. Y'all remember about Zacchaeus, right? When, and it tells us about when Zacchaeus receives the generosity of Jesus, it changes his life, and all of a sudden, he becomes an extremely generous person. But this tax collector, the tax collector would not even, when he comes, when the tax collector comes in, he doesn't even look up. He won't even look up. The tax collector, you know, the, the, you know, the shakedown person, the tax, he comes into the temple, he won't even look up. At the beauty, he won't even look. He, he, here's what he says. Are you still with me? Say yes if you're still with me. He comes in, he doesn't even look up. And he says, oh God, have mercy on me. Check it out. Here's a person who is technically generous, the Pharisee, but inwardly greedy. Here's a person, on the other hand, the tax collector, who's technically greedy, but in his heart, he's generous. The source, number one, what is the source of radical generosity? The source of radical generosity is not the purse, it's not the wallet, but it's the heart. Look at your neighbor and say, God looks on the heart. That's why when Samuel came to, to David's father's house to find the next king of Israel and all the boys parade, the first one, Eliab, Eliab comes, uh, he comes in tall, good-looking, handsome, built, cut, and, 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 and Samuel says, surely this must be the Lord's anointed. And the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, don't you put no oil on that boy's head. I have not, he is tall and good-looking, but I have not chosen and Jack, that's where we get this phrase. Man looks on, come on, come in, where? On the outward, but God, where does he look, saints? Come on, come on. He looks on the heart, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the first thing is you need to understand the source of generosity, mm, the source of it is the heart. How do you know, though, if you are really generous? If you can't tell by who's giving, who's not giving. You got one guy comes in, he ties that 10%, and it was 10% of a lot. Are you there? You got another guy comes in, you know, he's getting money, he's extorting money from people. He comes in, and, and, and he's saying, God, have mercy on me. How do you tell what generosity is? The Pharisees... They tithe and is generous with his money, but he's ungenerous in his spirit. The tax collector, hmm. Well, let's talk about the disciples. The disciples are probably tithers, but they are also, but they are radically ungenerous in their spirits. Why would you say that, Bishop? Well, look at what comes 
right after the parable. Look at verse 15. People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Get these babies out. Get these kids out. You, you understand that? But Jesus called the children to him called the children to him and he said, "Let the children come to me and don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Are you still breathing, saints? So why, why, why would we call the disciples ungenerous in their heart? That's not hard. They have Jesus, but no, no one has spoken like this man. Everywhere he goes, crowds follow him. Everywhere he goes, miracles happen. He's talking. He's, he's speaking the word of God. They don't know that he is the word, but he's speaking the word of God. They know he's important. Here come the babies. How many of you know kids always break up protocol? How many of y'all know that? It, it, this, is, this is Thanksgiving, so you want them to act good, forget it, right? I was at a wedding. I was at a wedding on Thanksgiving Day, and I, I never forget. They, somebody was supposed to come down the altar and come down the aisle and ring the bell. You know, like you ring the bell when the bride's coming? And all of a sudden, I heard in the back, guy, ah! 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 And, 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 and sure enough, the very kid that was supposed to ring the bell was cutting up. So the mama just had to grab the bell, ring, ring, and ring, and walk down the aisle herself. It's amazing how kids will mess up at the time you want them to be good, right? How, how they just impose themselves. They don't have those sanctions. Am I right? Unless you beat them and slap them, and all of a sudden when they come around, they get you, they shy like this. But most kids break protocol. How many of you were a protocol-breaking kid when you were young? Don't lie, shame the devil, raise your hand. You know, you, you didn't care. When you wanted to be known, you just made yourself known. Here come the, the kids. They're running to Jesus. And, 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 and why would you let children come? Children are unprofitable, so the disciples think. We can't get any clout from them. There's nothing we can, that we can leverage with them. We want our leader to spend his time on things that are profitable. What is the payoff by giving children time? I know we could talk a lot about this, but the disciples were indignant about the kids breaking up the talk, breaking in on the session. <laughs> For a man like Jesus to spend time on on children is extravagant. It's generous. But Jesus, stop everything else. All miracles, all powerful words, stop. He gives attention to the kids. The Bible says he took them into his arms. When you read other accounts of this, he takes kids into his arms. He lays hands on them and he prays for them. What is that? It's a form of generosity. Of giving the thing that you can't get back your time. Giving it to them. The disciples don't know quite what to do with that. But it reveals their heart when they are willing to say, get these kids out of here. Jesus said, no, let them, King James says, suffer them. Because for them, they were suffering. Not the kids, the disciples. Suffer them, let them come. Are you breathing, saints? By the way, I think... Out of this short piece, we might want to reconsider what's coming out of the mouth of our children. It might be something we want to pay attention to 
if Jesus said it's these kids, it's their attitude and their heart is what the kingdom of God is going to light on. And so they said, no, we, we don't want to be bothered with them. Hmm. He's not getting anything out of this. So the disciples thought. The disciples didn't see the return on the investment. Hmm. You can't measure generosity by the currency of money alone. There's more than one kind of currency. Currency is a medium of exchange, and it is a way for you to, to exchange value. There is more than one kind of currency. If you are a generous, if you're generous in your heart, you will be enormously or pervasively generous in your life, in all of your life. Take a second, look at some types of currency. There's emotional currency. You know, there are a lot of people who don't mind giving you their money, but you know, they're not gonna let you into their private lives because their private space is their private space. They don't mind saying here as long as you take here and go so I can go here. I'm sorry, am I talking to the right people? Yeah, yeah. So some people are generous outwardly with their finances, but they're not generous with they're not generous with their I mean they're not gonna get involved. They're gonna stay aloof. They're gonna be staying gonna hang back. They don't wanna have to answer no questions. Are you all there? There's there, some some people are they have a problem. So there's another kind of currency called <laughs> emotional, or, excuse me, physical space. Some people don't mind giving, but they don't want you to come to their house. Oh, they, you ain't coming to their house. Let alone you ain't coming in that room because they don't want you walking on that carpet. Anyway, they don't want you sitting on their furniture. Their furniture very nice. So they don't want they, you, know, they, you know, that's my space. Nobody invades my space. All kinds of currency. I'm almost done. Stay with me. There's, how about relational space? Yeah, you know, many people don't mind giving their resources, but they, when it comes to people, they, they put them in two categories. The people I do stuff for. You know, I've done a lot for your life. Done a lot for you. I've really done a lot for you. And they expect something back in return. Then there are another group of people that, you know, you, they did something to them. So the people who did something to them, you know they ain't get. They ain't getting no space, no time, no emotion, no nothing, right? Because those people, those people are put in one category and, and you stay away from those people. Relationally, they are cut off. Have you ever met anybody who will cut off folk when they do, do one thing wrong for me and that is it for you? If you found them in your seat, just give God praise and just, just say thank you, Jesus. Another kind of currency is time. Many people will give money, but they won't. They don't want their, their time is their own. I got to go. I'm missing my stories. Uh, no, I, I got to go. The game is on. Don't let me get talking about the game. It's some pitiful. But, there are all kinds of currency. Generosity invades all the currency. Ungenerous people, well, it means that what you really love, you hold on to. Uh, another currency, 
forgive me for taking this public, but sex is a currency. Who agreed with me down there? Who did, somebody down there agreed with me, Lord, help him, Jesus. Okay, yeah, sex is a currency. Yeah, 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 no, 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 no. Sex is a currency. Yeah, yeah, here's the way it works. Check it out, here's the way it works. Are y'all okay with me talking about sex for a second? Okay. I want to have sex with you. I know you want to have sex with me. Have you ever been in that situation? Don't lie. All right, okay. <laughs> I want to have sex with you. I know you want to have sex with me. But, but I, 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 don't, I, I, don't, I don't mind you having sex with me, but I don't want to give away my independence or my freedom. I'll have sex with you, but don't require anything else from me. Just let me go. Let me come when I want. Are you all breathing all right? I want to have sex with you, but I don't want to marry you. Lord have mercy. Uh, in the field of generosity, you are withholding the thing that is most valuable to you. You're not pervasively, radically generous until you're willing to give up the thing that has value to you. So it, it, it's amazing when, a, when generosity touches a person's life, how it radically changes them. You are radically ungenerous. You're radically ungenerous when you withhold the most important currency to yourself because radical generosity is self-giving. It's deep. It's at the root of your life. Stay with me. You have, most people are not generous because you have to be happy enough to be generous. You have to be happy enough to be radically different, rad radically generous. Then you, when, you're, when you're happy enough, then you can give away what's most valuable to you. Uh, the Pharisee, you see, he was, he, he was empty. He tried to fill his emptiness by looking at what he'd done. I, I do this, I do this, I don't do this, I don't do that. Hmm. The tax collector, he, he's trying to fill his emptiness by, by lording it over the people. I can get rich. For a lot of people, getting money is the chief number one thing in their life. You have to ask yourself, what is the key? Because if the source of generosity is the heart, mm, and if the sign of radical generosity is your willingness to give what's precious to you away, without fear of losing something, mm, then my final point is, what is the key to radical generosity. Well, it is, um, it's in the tax collector's prayer. Go back to the tax collector's prayer. It, because, you know, this guy is despised. He is despised by the people. Where the Pharisee is, he's revered by the people. Check out the tax collector's prayer. Check him out. He said, but the tax collector, a collector stood at a distance. He didn't even come close. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. 
but he beat his chest and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, look what Jesus said. I tell you, this man went home justified. By the way, that word justified, check it out for just a second. It's, a, it's an amazing word. It really means to be approved by God, to be legally approved by God. Before God, not before men, not about what other men think, because God looks right straight through the veneer and all the other verbal religious garbage or the stuff that comes out of your mouth that means nothing, is not in tune with your heart. God looks past all of that and looks right down into the soul of your person. God said, this guy who comes in, this, this, this despised tax collector, when, when he leaves, I count him worthy. He is, he is legally approved. Wow, before God. Isn't that crazy? This is so radical. By the way, you might want to check this out. In the book of Luke, it's all kinds of these crazy mixed up stories all through Luke. In chapter 7, it, it's, it's a, a Pharisee and, a, and an, a, a, a woman, a street woman, a prostitute. Are you there? He give, in, in, chap, in chapter 7, it gives you this analogy of this upstanding, revered Pharisee and this, this prostitute. In, um, in, in, in Luke 18, uh, a pillar of the community you know, this tax collector, we're just reading right now, this tax collector, I mean, this Pharisee and this tax collector. In Luke 15, you got a father who's got two sons. You got the younger son who's a scoundrel. He doing everything he knew how to do upside down and backwards. Are you all there? And, and, and the, the, there's the older brother who stays home and he looks squeaky clean. But check it out. In every case, the ones who look good to Jesus are despised. In every case, the ones that look bad in Jesus' eyes were accepted. Wow. It's like the Lord keeps doing the switch on us, trying to help us with something. It's an amazing, it's an amazing situation. In each case, the bad person is saved and the good person is lost. What is that? What's going on with that, Jesus? What, what is the key? Because this is exactly the situation we find ourselves in. God looking down into our heart and determining where we really are. As opposed to men who look at us and judge us by how often we show up, what we put in the plate, how, how, how much we're available, how we dress, how we speak, all of these things to God mean nothing. Looking right down inside the root of your life. Hmm. And, and, and he says to this horribly despised tax collector, he says to him, he says, hmm, um, he is approved, by the way, and he also says, rather, not the other one. In other words, 
you're approved and the other is not approved. The Pharisee who has the look and the money and everything else, he walks away not justified. Rather the one everybody despises. He, he walks away, God approved. What is that? If you take Zacchaeus alone, and Zacchaeus was the chief of tax collectors being short in statue, already having a complex. All the people he grew up with, oh, he gonna get them. He got the swords and the spears to get the money. But when he sees Jesus, and Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. Whoa. He throws a party, and he, he throws a party with only the people who could party with him, other tax collectors. Because you know they got money, so you know they party. How many of y'all know when folk got money, and they got and money ain't a problem, they can party. Hello, somebody. That's why some of you still don't have no money today, because God knows if you had that much money, you would party, and you would yeah, okay. So, so, so some, some of y'all got to, got to deal with that. So you got to deal with this whole generosity thing. You got to go deep down in your heart, so that when you get some stuff, you don't act crazy. Look at you and say, don't act crazy when God bless you. Amen. We know, we've been through it. We know we have nothing. We press into the house of God. Many God opens our coffers and opens the heavens and bam, deal here, deal there, deal here, deal there, deal there. All of a sudden, we can't find you. Look at you and say, thank God he's talking to you and not talking to me. I got to close this down. This radical generosity is something that's incredible because when the bad person is saved and the good person is lost, we better open our ears and hear because be, we might be judging wrong. In fact, in Matthew 21, Jesus said, the prostitutes get in the kingdom before all y'all religious people. What? He said, the, the hoes, they, they come into the kingdom more than all y'all, quicker than any of y'all. Jesus is not saying if you become a hoe, you get the kingdom. He's not saying that. I'm trying to make it clear. But what he's saying is, I see the heart. I know what you really need. You know what the problem is? When you are bad and you know you're bad, tendency is to cry out, God, please have mercy on me. But when you're good and you think you're good, you don't see how much you need change. I believe God is bringing renovation to this house to change the glasses we've been wearing and the mirrors we've been looking at. So we would look at our mirror and the mirror we see that we need something. You know who's cursed? Those who cannot see their need. One of the greatest gifts God could ever give you is the conviction of the Holy Spirit to show you that I need something, Lord. A pitiful person who's in bad shape. You got a disease, you dying. Everybody know you dying but you. He's like a folk who won't go to the doctor. They suspect something, but they ain't going because they think it's the bad news that makes them sick. The truth is, the sickness is already there. The bad news just tells them what they already, confirmation what was going on. Right? You understand what I'm saying? Look at your name, tap and say, go to the doctor, boy. Go to the doctor. 
The fact that you go to the doctor, maybe it might even say that you, uh, have, a, you have a shot. I got to close this out. The key, the key to becoming generous is right there in the script. It looks like this. The guy comes in there because he's going to worship. First of all, if you, you, you know, you hoodwinking everybody. You tricking everybody. You got money. That ain't the issue. More than you can spend. But you know something. <clears throat> Are y'all breathing? If you got that thing in your heart that says, I know this ain't right, that's a gift from God. That's a gift from God. The answer, the source, not, not just the source, not just the sign, but the, but the key is in the, in the way he prayed. He said, oh God, have mercy on me. You should understand that, that word's not the, it's not the regular word for mercy. You know, the regular word for mercy is just basically compassion. You know, give me a break. You see my situation, you know how bad it is. You know, mercy, as it's normally translated, is, you, 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 you know, you, you know things are not good, but you want somebody to excuse. Mm. Live with. Put up with. Whatever's wrong. It's not that kind of mercy. This word mercy, I don't know if I, 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 don't know if I put it on there or not, Kenny, but it's called propitiation. Check that out. It's an incredible word. It's only used twice in the New Testament. Propitiation. It is the payment for all that I lack. It's the payment for all that I did wrong. It's the payment for the way I am. It's the payment that says, I can't pay it. I can't do enough good deeds to pay for what you want to do in my life. Perpetuation, the payment for everything that is lacking. And you know something's lacking. When the rich young ruler came to Jesus, he knew something was lacking or he never would have asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The sad thing about it, he really, he had the words, he didn't have the heart. Mm. When this tax collector comes before the Lord, he says, Lord, I, he knows everything he did, and he knew God knew everything he did. Talk to, you, talk to your neighbor, God knows all your bad stuff. He knows all of it. Unfortunately, people do not, they give God a bad rap because they make God a man like them. I mean, Jesus indeed is a man, but not like any of us. In fact, the fact of him becoming a man is he became the propitiation for our sins. He is the payment. His life and nothing less. His blood and nothing is the payment 
This is what has the power to change you and to change me. When you recognize this guy, he comes in, he knows he's hated, he's disrespected, he's outcast, he can't hang with everybody, he can't go down to the local bar, they probably kill him. All the money he's extorted. So yeah, he got to hang with his own kind. But he comes to the temple, the one place he can come and not be molested. But when he comes in the temple, he understands what he is and what he's done. Wow. He won't even, he, he, don't, he won't come close, you know. He's scared to come close to that place where the, the holies of holies is. He's thinking, boy, if God, he, you know, I'm, he liable to strike me right now. All the stuff I've done, I know I've done. You know what is awesome? When you are under the conviction and the realization of all that you've done that does not measure up, man, that's an incredibly powerful place to be. Because he prays the prayer. Lord, I need you to pay my debt because I don't have enough. See, he's calling on God's generosity. He's saying, Lord, I know I don't. But have mercy. Mm. Only other place this is used, by the way. The only other place it's used is in Hebrews. Yeah, it's Hebrews. Um, if I can get it for you, okay. Right, you gotta get it for you. Hebrews 2 and 17. Mm. It's where the, the Lord himself declares that he is the full payment. He's the only payment the Father would accept. I want you to bow your heads, consider it, and ask the Lord to do something for you today that only he can do. There's nothing more powerful than a radically generous person. But that's not a person you can make. Because Jesus makes it clear, I don't care what side of the pendulum you're on, if you, I don't care how, if you, you can drown in, in two inches of water like you can drown in 20 feet of water. Because the, the truth be told, the Pharisee was drowning and the tax collector was drowning. And that's why Jesus gives us these incredible stories. The bad guy walks away good. The good guy who never acknowledges walks away bad. I, I want you to make a choice which one of you today. So when he, when, when he came before the Lord, he cried out, Lord, have mercy. Be my perpetuation. Be my payment, Lord. At least you get it twisted. One of Jesus' disciples was a tax collector. I, I, I think it's, it's ingenious that the Lord would even use that illustration when you consider the fact how hated they were, disrespected they were, what kind of scoundrels they were considered a low life, that they would even dare to partner with those who are ruling over them, who desecrate the temple, who disrespect our laws, don't care nothing about our families. 
You're going to partner with them to take from us? It's kind of like the people who sided with Nazi Germany, the Jews that sided with Nazi Germany. So when, when they wanted to confiscate the property, these Jews would be the forefront people who would go in and, and negotiate and get the properties out of their hands. Or if they knew they were up for, for extermination, they would come in there and they'd get all the deeds so they would own the land itself. Forgive me, but the George Soros's of this world is what I'm talking about. As your head is bowed, I want you to, to do something deep inside, radically, fundamentally, down inside your heart. You need to ask God, Lord, will you be my payment? When you do that, it's like confessing, Lord, I do need you. I do need you. I do need you. Everything turns, everything turns when you make that decision. And then you ask God, Lord, would you let that radical generosity come inside of me and just permeate me so that all my currencies, all the things I have of value, all the things that I, I, I cherish, I, I don't mind, Lord, giving them. Because of what you've given to me. I mention it now because I think it's appropriate. We, we, we have just instituted all in. It's hard for you to be all in if radical generosity is not part of your life because it's about more than money. It's about ministry. Many of you have not, have not accepted that you have, God never, never ordained you to sit in a pew or in a seat somewhere the rest of your days till he put you in the grave. God wanted to bring glory through your life by the powerful ministry of the Holy Spirit over your life and over your family's life. And bless you financially on top of it. Maybe what you need is to let God make you happy. I tell you what happened. Happiness is when, Lord, I don't have to die. That kind of death. Lord, I don't have to pay. You have never been more happy in your life than when you realize that the debt you owe is the debt that he paid. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying for the people of God today that they would receive, that they would call upon your mercy seat, the place where the blood, the place where you spilled what was most precious to the world, to the Father. You spilled your blood and paid for us. It's by that we are able to give you, to surrender to you, all of our currency. Lord, I thank you and I praise you I thank you, Father, that we are just like the rest of them. I thank you that we did all the stuff everybody else did. I thank you, Lord, that our sin was as bad as everyone else's sin. But I, I also thank you that we cry to you for mercy today. I thank you, Lord, that mercy be powerful. Let generosity rise up in the heart of your people. And I thank you for this even during this season of Thanksgiving. In the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, our Lord, our King, our payment, mm, our guarantee. Amen.